I'm Jeff Smith, and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success and to share them here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going when times got tough. And I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm talking with Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is the CFO, founder and co-host of Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with, get this, more than 1,000 episodes that reach over half a million people around the world. What a success story. He believes in a heart-driven, no-BS approach to holistic self-improvement and teaching others how to get the best out of themselves. This is going to be an interview of understanding limiting beliefs, harnessing the stories we tell ourselves and how to reframe our thoughts to support our dreams and desires. So let's bring in the amazing man himself. Welcome to the show, Kevin Palmieri. <laughs> hey, Jeff, Kevin. thank you so much. That was amazing. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I am overjoyed and excited to chat with you. Tom. Oh, wonderful. You're looking cool. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We had a little preamble. I said, everything's good. I got married. Everything's on the up and up. So very little to complain about. And I'm, I'm grateful I get to do this every day as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to find out about your amazing life, your personal secrets of success, how you've achieved the stuff you've achieved in your life. But before we do that, I want to find out about you, Kevin. So three little questions to get us going. Where were you born? What was life like as a child for you? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? I was born in a small town called Milford, Massachusetts, and I was raised in a small town called Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Most people have not heard of it. There's nothing uh, too great there, nothing too shiny. We had a McDonald's and a Dunkin' Donuts, and those were kind of two of the best things we had going on. <laughs> my childhood, Jeff, was was interesting. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Um, I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So the through line of my childhood, I think, was lack, and there was a lot of anger. Uh, why don't I have a dad? Everybody else has a dad. I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. I remember when I got to middle school, one of the exercises was you'd introduce yourself on the first day of school. We'd go around and you'd say, my mom does this and my dad does this for a living. And I, every year would just say, my dad's in construction because I have no idea what my dad does. I don't even know what he looks like, but I assume he's in construction. So yeah, that was definitely a through line from my childhood. Never had a lot of money. Uh, one of the reasons I'm the CFO of the company and, and very money driven is, is that, but it definitely shaped me in a, in a lot of ways and it, it made me the man I am today. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But the childhood definitely, it put a chip on my shoulder mm. and uh, that chip is still there. I run the chip now. The chip doesn't run me, but it's definitely still there. What was the third question, Jeff? Well, I'm just going to add to that. I would, I would say you've got the chip on each shoulder because mm. I think you're pretty well balanced now. How's that? <laughs> well, I, pre I appreciate that. That's nice. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my third one was, as you were growing up, Kevin, what were your dreams and aspirations? I, I wanted to be wealthy. I, I remember I was a pretty good baseball player, but for some reason, I worked out in my mind that being a professional baseball player equates to you being on the road very often. And I don't want to be on the road for my entire life. I don't think I was going to play professionally. Maybe that was my out. But yeah, I wanted to be either a professional baseball player, a professional wrestler, in the WWF, which it was back in the day, 
And then that transitioned into a professional mixed martial arts fighter. Those were my my big three growing up that I really okay, wanted out of life. right. <laughs> okay, so a baseball player and mm-hmm. a mixed martial arts. So I've got visions of this guy <laughs> walking around with a baseball bat. <laughs> so you, meant, you mentioned you wanted to be wealthy. So yeah. at, at that point, the teenage Kevin, what did wealthy mean to you then? I don't think I really had a good measure for it because what I was looking at was people on TV. There was a big show at the time called MTV Cribs where uh, they would inter- they would go to a celebrity's house and they'd show you their house. And I remember seeing these, ho- these homes and I said, oh my goodness, if I could get one of those, if I could get one of those, none of this would even matter. So I think for me, it wasn't time freedom. It wasn't the ability to make decisions and say yes or no when I wanted. I think wealth to me meant a big home in a fast car. I really think those were the only true measures I had. I wasn't thinking of financial freedom. I think I was thinking more from the frame of ego. What would look the best? What would look the best to other people? Yeah, and most people think I get the big car, I get the big house, and I'll be happy, right? (laughs) Well, you won't be surprised I've done my research on you. So let's have a little closer look at your life. I know you've climbed what we call the so-called ladder of success. In your mid-twenties, you had it all. Beautiful girlfriend, a high-paying job, sports car. I know you like to work out, you had your dream body. And yet, you still ended up sitting on the edge of your bed, contemplating suicide. Mm. So why do you think you had this conflict in your life at that time, And then I want you to bring that story forward. And how do you now find balance between the success you've achieved and achieving harmony and balance in your life? Mm. I, as a 25-year-old man, when you see somebody who has the model girlfriend, the sports car, all that stuff, you assume that behind the scenes, they must be absolutely loving their life. And I remember at that time, I was so, I don't want to say mentally broken, but I remember I was like afraid of my own shadow, Jeff, genuinely. And nobody would ever know it because I was, you know, I have tattoos and I had a bunch of muscles. So nobody would ever know that. I think that was a good thing because it kept me safe. But I remember one day my girlfriend came to me, we were living together in New Hampshire and she came to me and she said, Kev, I want to move across the country and I want to chase my dreams. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do all these things. And I was so scarce and I was so insecure that I said, no, I said, here's a list of reasons why you shouldn't do it. Terrible idea. I can't support this. Obviously that was the end of that conversation. And she brought it up a couple of weeks later and she said, Kev, I'm leaving. Like, I'm going to go chase my dreams. I want to go live in California. I need to do this. I was hoping you'd be the type of man that would support me like you were in the beginning, but it's clear that you're no longer that. And I remember Jeff, when she left, I thought to myself, number one, who is ever going to love me again? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, why am I so broken? Why am I so broken? Why can't I control this? Why can't I just be better than I am? Why can't I do that? And then I started working on myself. That was my initial dip my toe into self-improvement. But here's the problem. I thought more money would fix more of the problems. Yeah, I had some money, but I didn't have as much as I thought I needed. So I said, that's what it is. I'll work on myself. I'll do these positive affirmations, but I need more cash. I need more money in the bank. That's going to fix this. And everything kind of lined up that way. So that next year, uh, I was uh, working for a weatherization company. So weatherization, our job is to go into buildings and make them more energy efficient. If we're working in the attics, whether it's working on windows, installing doors, windows, whatever it may be, we did a bunch of different things. I got promoted the beginning of that next year. I got promoted to a foreman, which means I start every job and I end every job. So I'm on all the jobs. The vast majority of the work that we did was on the road. So we worked predominantly in New Jersey, which was six hours away from where I lived. And every single Sunday, if we were working first shift, I would drive six hours to New Jersey, stay in the hotel Monday morning through Friday, living in a hotel. Other times I would drive straight from home to New Jersey, which again, six hours, and then we'd work second shift. So I'd work three to nine. 
So that would be like a 15, 16, 17, 18 hour day, pretty routinely. But I'm making a hundred bucks an hour. I'm in like, just rack it up, rack it up. I'm all in. So fast forward to the end of that year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12, every single week. But I remember I stood there, I had my final pay stub and I said, okay, let's see what we did here. I, I want to make $100,000. Did we do it? So I opened my final pay stub. I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But very similarly to before, I had all the external results, but I, I felt worse than ever. I was like, I just traded a year of my life. I am beyond burnt out. I don't even know if I could explain how burnt out I am. And I realized that for most of my life, I have lived unconsciously. I've just been chasing the dollar. I've been chasing the girl. I've been chasing the car. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So then I ended up starting a podcast. The problem with starting a podcast and traveling on the, on the road as much as I was is you kind of got to do one or the other. It's very challenging to do both. And almost overnight, I stopped caring about my job. I stopped caring about the money. It just wasn't, it wasn't aligned for me to do it anymore because I didn't want the result. So I start calling out of work. I start showing up late. I start leaving the job site early. It would get to the point, Jeff, where I would have to be in New Jersey, again, six hours from where I live, at 7 a.m. on a Monday. I would sleep in my bed on Sunday from 9 p.m. until midnight. I'd get up and drive six hours straight to the job site. and I'd work an eight-hour day and I'd go to the gym on three hours of sleep because I just, I needed to be home. I was so homesick. It kept getting worse and worse, but I felt so stuck and my bills were high and I didn't know what to do. So I, I was in New Jersey. My alarm went off at 5.15 in the morning. I sat up, I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots. And the best way to explain it, Jeff, is there's 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one is on a different station. And one is saying, you're stuck here forever. You got lucky. Y you can't leave. You're never going to make this kind of money again. Now, if you do have the courage to leave, what's your family going to say? Because they all look up to you. What's your, what are your friends going to say? They all look up to you. And if you leave, are you really going to go do this podcast thing and have a successful business? Like that's not for you. You're not the type of person who does that. And in that moment, I genuinely felt like if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And that was the darkest place I had ever been in my entire life. I didn't know what to do. I'm six hours away from anybody who cares about me. So I did the only thing I knew. I texted my friend at the time who has now become my business partner, my co-host and co-founder. And I said, Alan, I'm really struggling. I'm having these dark thoughts. Work's terrible. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis. And he gave me one thing that I think I needed at that time that I don't know if anybody else could have given me. He gave me permission. He said, Kev, so much has changed over the last few years for you. You're hyper-conscious now. You're thinking differently, but your environments are all the same. I think you need to change your environment. And three or four months later, I left that job. And then I went full-time into what we're doing today. And Jeff, I'm sure you'll attest to this. In the very beginning, when you're a very broke entrepreneur, I was asking myself, have I made a giant, giant mistake here doing this? So I don't want anybody to think I went from my job to where we are. The first three years were absolutely brutal. I couldn't pay rent. My car broke down. I couldn't get it fixed. I couldn't get Christmas presents for my girlfriend two years in a row. So there were definitely a lot of challenges there. But yeah, I... I had at one point what seemed like it all, but internally, nothing I was getting externally was going to fill those voids. And I learned that the hard way, but I'm grateful I'm still here so I can help other people learn it, hopefully an easier way. Well, man, there's so much I want to pull out of that. Mm. So we live unconsciously, you said. What's the, con what's the opposite to... Conscious, you say hyperconscious. So that's one question I have. The other one, you said, I'm hyperconscious. Therefore, hey, I'll do a podcast. Wow. So <laughs> there's two big, big moves there. So let's talk about the difference then between living unconsciously. Let's define what that means. Let's understand what hyperconscious means. When we've got that done, then it's. You just threw in there, oh, I'll do a podcast. I mean, <laughs> so let's let's see if we can sort those three things sure. out because there's something fundamental in there that I want to pull out. Yeah. So over to you, sir. You can do it in whatever order you wish. I, I think for me, unconscious was just going with the flow. 
the, the literal flow of wherever life's taking me, I'm going to go. And I think there is some importance to being present, but not to the degree I was doing it. So yeah, I think unconscious is just going with the flow and not designing life in any way. You're just there and life is happening to you. I think hyperconscious is questioning everything about yourself, why you're making the decisions you're making, why you're not making the decisions you're not making, why you're avoiding the things you're avoiding. One of the things I did in the beginning that I now realize the importance of was I would ask myself why. I remember that. I, Kev, why don't you want to call for pizza? Why does it have to be on an app? Why don't you want to call? Are you afraid to make a mistake? Are you afraid to say the wrong thing? Yes. Okay, cool. Why? Well, because I don't, I don't want to feel bad about myself. I don't want to get rejected, whatever it is. And that helped me understand myself at a deeper level. So yeah, hyperconscious is not taking yourself at face value and digging into the next layer that you feel comfortable digging into because self-awareness can be painful. But with the greater understanding that the better I know myself, the better I know everything. Because I see everything through the lens of my own experience. If I can understand my experience, I can understand everything. So that's my my view on hyperconscious. And it's interesting, Jeff, because I didn't know a ton about podcasting. I, I really didn't know much. I knew Joe Rogan, as many people do. But my business partner now had kind of a podcast. It was more a YouTube channel that he was kind of doing. And he said, I want to interview you about fitness. And I said, sure. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know if I can add any value, whatever. So we sat down for an hour and a half. And after that hour and a half, he went to the bathroom. My other friend was there. And he said, um, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. And he said, well, you can. I mean, there's people out there that do it. So that was part of my motivation when I started the podcast is I had already had that experience and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. These dots are starting to connect here a little bit. For me, I remember I've always wanted to talk about deep stuff. I, I think I've always had that itch that I wanted to scratch, but I don't think I ever had permission to do it because going up to somebody and saying, Jeff, what's your, like, what's your dream? You know, if you could do anything, what would it be? I did that in the past and I kind of became known for that in my friend group, but I wanted to lean more into that. And I, I remember I did a video on Facebook long before this podcast was ever a thing. And it was, and long before Facebook Live was a thing. And my, my theme for it was, do you deserve to be happy? That was the title. And my goal in this was to, to get people to realize that if you're, you feel entitled to a certain outcome and you're not willing to put in the work for it, you can't really be mad if you don't get it. I believe you deserve what you work for. And that was the thesis of this whole thing. In retrospect, that was a hyper-conscious episode just before I had the podcast. So in a way, I think I always wanted to do what I'm doing. I just don't know if I ever knew it was exactly this way. I used to look up to radio people and say, imagine if you could just talk on the radio for four hours a day. That would be amazing. That would be the best thing ever. I love Joe Rogan. I love talking about deep stuff. So I think at the surface level, it seems like, yeah, I just started a podcast. But upon further examination, digging in, it's like there was a lot of clues when you look back that were already there. Yeah. There's some fascinating things I want to pull out there, Kevin. And Please. what I want to ask or, or define, uh, I've interviewed many, many hundreds of successful people, and I'm interested in how they become successful. But I want to draw a parallel here with people who would like to be successful, but perhaps there's something in the way. Mm. And, and it's based on what you just said. So some people have a dream, a goal, a desire, but they put something in the way because they have the why, why they want it, but at this stage, they don't have the how. And that's, the re that's what you just said. I knew what I wanted, I didn't know how. Mm. And I see this in lots and lots of people, and they give up on their goal because they don't know the how. Give your bit a little bit more explanation as to how did you get through that, knowing you didn't know the how, but you did it anyway. What was going through your head? 
when I first started, I don't think I planned on being successful. It was very much, this would be fun. Like, let's see where this goes. One thing I'll say, Jeff, I'm, a, I'm an operator. I'm, if you tell me, hey, Kev, get these 10 things done every day for the next 90 days, I'm good. When it comes to the awareness piece of how to reverse engineer success, not necessarily my strong point. So in the beginning, it was very much, I'll show up and I'll do it and I'll add value to the degree I can. I just want to have good conversations. I think in the beginning for me, I wasn't thinking about it from that frame. I didn't, I didn't take it as seriously as, well, this is going to be a business one day. You know, in the very beginning for me, it was, I want to interview my best friend about what it's like, what it was like being a dad at 21. I, I just want to see where that goes. Let, let's see what that does. So yeah, it's, it's very hard because, and I don't, I'm curious to, to your perspective on this because you've interviewed so many successful people. Sure. For me, a lot of it's like, I have to pinch myself some days, Jeff. And I think I also have to be unreasonably humble because my business partner and I have a wonderful relationship and he's helped me in so many ways. So I think part of it is the fact that I just kept showing up. I didn't necessarily know it was going to work. And I don't think I necessarily designed it to work either. It, full, full transparency. This is fascinating. Now, I've, I've interviewed some mega millionaires and had similar conversations. <laughs> and one of the most common answers I got, and I'm, I'll paraphrase, and I'll paraphrase what you just said, they too didn't set up to be successful. They turned up as you did. Yeah, and what came out is that I didn't know it couldn't be done. Now, you like deep, right? That's deep. If you think about that, I didn't know it couldn't be done, so I just went ahead and kind of did it anyway. But they did the right things yeah. at the right time to make things happen. They took action. Now, uh, one of the reasons I asked you the question, Kev, is because people know the why, but they think, I don't know how to do it. And rather than progressing and trying stuff, and more importantly, finding other people who've already done what you have done to learn from them, yeah. they just, ah, yeah, I'll give up because I don't know how it's, it's not meant for me. But <clears throat> moving on to the next part, you had this, how can I put it? This desire to communicate with people. You didn't know quite how. You knew on some level what kind of communication you wanted that to be. Mm. And it's turned out to be the thing that you can do, the thing that you are meant to do. I'll go that far. I'll even go as far as to ask you, do you think this is your purpose in life? <laughs> I do. And the reason I do and this is going to be deep, Jeff. Yeah, this let's go deep. deep. I love deep. I find that oftentimes the people who are trying to help the masses have never been the masses. And if you don't necessarily have that experience, it's very hard for you to understand what somebody's going through. So I feel at a deep level that it's kind of my responsibility as somebody who didn't go to college, somebody who was never an intellectual somebody who has no business background, has no finance background, has no any of that background. I, I lived, I think, the experience of what many people live. And I think that's my, that's my specialty is I want people to listen to me and say, I could do it too because he can do it. And where I think a lot of other people, it's like, oh, you know, I was so different. I always thought differently. I knew this was going to work. I don't care about judgment. I don't care what people think. I care about all those things. And I didn't think it was going to work. So yeah, I think to your point, my purpose has always been to help people. The vehicle in which I did it, Facebook, uh, coaching people I was dating at one point, I never really landed until I started podcasting. But I do believe, I do believe this is my purpose. And I think that's why I'm so fulfilled now. Somebody asked me that recently. They said, what do you do for your mental health? And I was like, I meditate. And they're like, what else? And I said, At the gym. But for me, I, 
what I do is stressful. Yeah. And building a business is stressful and seven episodes a week and all the clients. Yeah. But at one point I would have killed for this. I mean, this is what I wanted. This was my dream. So in a way it's almost like I'm the most fulfilled I've ever been. And I think fulfillment is directly connected to the level of alignment with your purpose. So yeah, I, I do believe at a deep level, this is my purpose. So much, in fact, Jeff, when my girlfriend and I connected, she said, she, we had this conversation, a very real conversation. She said, my only thing I need you to promise me is you'll never try to make me an entrepreneur. And I said, done. <laughs> I said, the only thing you need to promise me is you will never try to take podcasting away from me. Because if you do, I can't stay. That's my thing. That's, that's my thing. It's my jam. I traded everything for this, everything. And I don't, I don't want to have to trade you. And that was a, it was a brutal conversation, but it was, this is my thing. I, I have, this is who I am. This is in my bones. I have to, I have to do it. So yes, it's my purpose. Yeah. The, the word I was waiting to hear actually, Kev, you gave, which was fulfillment. Yes. Because people do stuff. They earn a lot of money as you did. You hit your hundred thousand dollars, but then it, it doesn't mean anything unless you are fulfilled. And I was waiting to hear the word. You did it. So fulfillment. So here we go. <laughs> Do you have any tips for someone who's trying to find their purpose? The reason I'm asking you this is because you went through some radical change based on what you've said already. So when you were younger, you wanted to be wealthy. Not really sure what wealthy meant. It was just, I want to buy the big house. I want to buy the sports car, all those stuff. You got there. And then you gave it all up the lot. So that wasn't a factor anymore at all mm. to be a podcast host. And you... <laughs> you Sounds wonky when you say yeah, it that way, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it, man. You did. <laughs> So then you give everything up. You're not earning anything. You're struggling to pay your rent. You don't pay your rent. Your car breaks down. You're screwed. And yet you carry on because you're now fulfilled, but no money. <laughs> so thinking what success is about, and we'll come on to that in a moment, and linking it with money is not always giving us fulfillment. So uh, my question is, You've obviously found your purpose. Uh, and you talk with people about this coaching as well, of course, which is the reason I'm asking you is how can we help people to find their purpose and how would they know when they have found it? A couple questions you can start with is, and, and it gets deep, right? What really, really, really makes you angry? Like, to the point where you want to cry or you want to put your hand through a wall. What's that for you? What makes you sad to the point where you can't watch it without crying? Um, what's your deepest pain? That's from one of our mentors, Evan Carmichael. Your purpose comes from your deepest pain. What's your biggest pain that you don't ever want anybody else to deal with? And this is another great question. What is something that you are so passionate about that you don't believe enough people are talking about? Those are four or five, however many questions that was. That's a great place to start. But this is what I think it is. I think your purpose is in your past. You just got to find it. And you have to reflect. You have to reflect on what are some of the through lines of my life? And let me connect those dots. What are some of the traumas that I have experienced in my life? What are things I am constantly avoiding? What are things I'm constantly drawn to? I really think you have to sit down and you sit down in a dark room and you meditate on it, and you think back to your past. And the reason I say that is because for many of us, I think we're out there exploring, trying to find our purpose. I think most of our purpose comes from our past. I think it's already happened. I think it's already happened. And this is why I believe that. I was on a show recently, and the host said, it's very clear that you're passionate about what you do. And I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And he said, why? Why are you so passionate about it? And I said, at a deep level, I have a responsibility. And here's why. Most of our listeners are women or humans who identify as women. And the through line of every single one I have talked to, they have been hurt mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, or sexually by men 
that have egos. And I started, I was bawling my eyes on this podcast. That's what I can't be. I can't be that. That's my purpose. My purpose is to be such a good human being that helps other human being, but doesn't have to do it through ego. Now, where does that come from? Raised by a, a single mom and a grandmother, definitely had some toxic masculinity in my, in my childhood. I've always run from ego. I cannot stand ego. If you put me in a room with somebody with ego, I just shell up and I'm quiet. Can't do it. Okay, reflect. My favorite movie characters were always the people who saved other people. I loved hockey, Jeff. You know why I loved hockey? Because there was always one guy on the team that would fight for the rest of the team. I love people who protect other people. I've always resonated with that. That's always been something to me. I've always been the person that'll take a punch for somebody else that I love, that I care about. Okay, connect that. That, when I'm able to connect those dots, I think you can too if you're watching or listening. It's just a matter of reflecting on the past. I'll tell this story because this really, this, this made it ultra land for me. My business partner, Alan, and I were at the airport getting ready to go to Florida for an event. And I don't mean this with any judgment. This is just my visualization sure. of what happened that day. There was a man and a woman and three children. I assume they were married. They were together. And the kids are crawling all over the mom. And she's trying to feed them all. And she seemed like a really good human being, just trying to figure it out. And over walks her drunk husband at 10 in the morning. And he proceeds, Jeff, to drag, I'm not even kidding, to drag one of the kids across the floor in the airport in the airport and Alan and I were sitting there looking at each other, like bubbling up that whatever that is, I don't know what that is, but you can tell that's what gets me going. Not the fact that, well, I think at a deep level, I believe if they were exposed to self-improvement, if the man was exposed, maybe he wouldn't do that. Maybe he would question like, why am I drinking at 10 AM on a flight with my family? Why am I dragging my kid across the airport? Like, could I do better that whatever that is for me, I will go to the edge of the earth to stop that. I, I will die for that. But I think it's because I've experienced it. And it, it, it hurts me at the deepest level, and I don't want anybody else to get hurt by it. I'm with you there, brother, for sure. I appreciate I, it. Uh, I, I've seen scenes like that happen. I saw, um, I'm assuming to be the mother with the child, the child two or three years old walking along, clearly upset and crying. And she turns around and smacks the child on the legs, mm. shouts and screams. And I went over to this woman and I said, if I was to slap your legs, shout and scream at you, I'd get arrested. You would be put in prison for doing that to a three-year-old. Mm. What do you think you're doing? Because she screams at me. I'm the bad guy. You know, yeah. and like, <clears throat> I don't know what the answer is to that. My wife um, and daughter work in that world with child abuse and stuff like that but i just don't get it and like you i mean we're both welling up here talking to each other it's yeah it's 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 tough let's move it away from this one <laughs> a subject <laughs> we, for another we day. wanted to go deep jeff we, yeah, I think we went too deep <laughs> yes no never too deep never mm. too deep okay so in all of that then where does mixed martial arts fit in <laughs> it's interesting i so my, my grandfather was a professional boxer. My great grandfather, I also believe was a professional boxer, bare knuckle, because I don't, I don't know if they were using gloves that far back, but I remember I got bullied one time. I'm, I'm very, I have great genetics. So in high school, I was accused of being on steroids. I'm only five foot four. So I might look big, but there's, you know, dynamite comes in small packages. That's what my second grade teacher told me. So I remember it, it wasn't from a place of fear. I, I, I was bullied once. I walked into school. I had glasses on and somebody called me four eyes. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Okay. Interesting. What's that about? I think I, I wanted to become competent. I wanted to become competent. And what are most people afraid of? They're afraid of fighting and public speaking. And those are like two of my favorite things to do. So I, yeah, I think I was afraid of being afraid, Jeff, of everything. And I said, well, what can I do that will make me brave? Like, I'm going to go do the thing that everybody is afraid of. And that was, yeah, I'm going to train to choke people unconscious and get choked unconscious and kickbox and wrestle. And, you know, I'm going to run and I'm going to lift weights. So yeah, 
for me, I think it, a part of it was about discipline for sure. But the other part of it was I wanted to become capable. I wanted to become a competent human being. And I didn't want, and this goes to the money too. I didn't want anybody to be able to tell me anything. Like, I don't want you to tell me, I don't want to have to deal with your stuff because you're bigger than me. Or I want to be able to take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. That, that's what it was for me at a deep level. I think it was a control issue, honestly. Okay. Did it make you brave? Um, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Because it didn't make me seek out fights or anything. It made me understand that I always have that in my pocket. I, if that, if anything ever happens and for me, it's about like really protecting my family at this point, I understand eventually I'm going to be in the public eye more. And I want to make sure that I'm a capable human being. If something happens, God forbid, I want to make sure that I can take care of my family and my and the people around me. So, yeah, I think it, it gave me more certainty. And I think certainty can translate to courage, ultimately. Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, I have a black belt in karate. I love it. I did it for escape, to be mm. with myself on my own, a life outside of my home. Mm. That, that's why I did it. And did it make me brave? No. I have the same answer as you. I'll be the first guy to run away from a fight. That's yeah. just, that's for fools, right? Yep. But I have the confidence if anybody brings it to me, yeah, hey, man, you started this. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, so good to hear that. Okay, so we've talked about your struggles. You've given up money uh, to achieve the success that you have now to come on to money. So... Can someone really succeed in life without going through all of those struggles? Wow, that's the billion-dollar question, isn't it? I, I don't think you have to go through rock-bottom struggles, necessarily. I do think you, you need to hone your resilience by going through things. And I think we're in this interesting time, Jeff, where people are saying, well, you shouldn't have to work hard to be wealthy. You shouldn't have to be disciplined. And I do think that's doing the world's, um, it's disempowering. That's a disempowering belief because I think it comes from people who became, this is the analogy I use. Alan and I could stop getting better at podcasting and we could just start taking it easy. And we have the compound effect. So the podcast will keep growing and we'll keep making more money. But if I give people advice based on where I am, not where I started, then they're not going to get to where I am. And they might not get to where I am anyway because of different things, right? So yeah, I believe, I believe that if you run from resistance, you're ultimately running from the life of your dreams. I, I believe that. I don't believe you necessarily have to go through all the junk. I mean, you know, people can help you and mentors can help you avoid stuff. But if you're avoiding discomfort and, re and resistance, you're avoiding your goals long-term for sure. And there's something fulfilling about that. Um, Jeff, after a good workout, when you're doing karate, I'm sure you felt fulfilled. Nothing better than doing 10 rounds on the heavy bag and sweating profusely. There's something that makes you feel alive. You feel proud of that. So yeah, I think, with resistance comes pride, the, the good pride, the positive pride, the ownership pride. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a couple of days after the big workout. <laughs> Not at the time, maybe. Uh, but it's the thing that keeps you going through the big workout again, which we'll come on to that in a moment. Mm. So you've done a thousand episodes, well, more than a thousand episodes. So you do one a day, right? Yes. Yeah, seven a week. Wow. So... Here's the thing, and I want to relate it to, to what I'm doing with podcasts also here. What's the biggest thing you've learned from doing a thousand podcasts? It's an interesting one that I want to try to make land for people. Most people don't understand how much they can grow over the course of five years because they don't have a, a visual of the starting point. So Jeff, I can go back and look at episode one and it was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. But the interesting thing is if I look at episode one and I look at episode 1000, which was my favorite one to record ever, I see such a drastic difference. I was a boy in the beginning. I'm a man now. 
Sometimes, sometimes I act like a child still, but that's part of my personality. Now, here's the interesting thing. Today's episode and tomorrow's episode will be no different. I will see no difference between my episode today and my episode tomorrow. I won't see any episode, uh, any difference in the next week or the next two weeks, but that perspective is what it has showed me more than anything. And it shows me how important the reps are for mastery. You might not be good at something in the beginning, but if you do it a 500 times, 1,000 times, 10,000 times, you will be drastically better. Will you be the best in the world? Probably not. But it doesn't mean you can't be the best version of you. So that's one of the things. And the other thing that it's really showed me is what you practice daily becomes normal. It just It's normal for me to be on this microphone. I'm just as comfortable in front of the microphone as I am anywhere else. In the beginning, if you told me that, I never would have believed you. You're going to be crying on the microphone in front of however many people. Not a chance. Now it's like, I don't even think about it. It's just, it's who I am. So it's really helped me understand that what you do daily is who you become, positive or negative. And it's important to take a look at that, as, as difficult as it may be. Definitely. And there, there's another interesting point. You are what you become, what you think about, positive or negative. So be careful of that self-talk. So taking you, you now, Kev, to 33, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to go back to your younger self, what advice would you give to yourself? One piece would be, it's not your fault. That's something I would have told young Kev. I know you don't know what's going on right now, but I can assure you it's not your fault. Like you had very little to play in this. Your capabilities of having impact on your life are very low at this point. So that would be one thing. And I think the second thing would be where you are today is not where you'll be forever. Unless you believe where you are today is where you'll be forever which is a weird thing that I probably wouldn't have understood. And I would have been like, yo, get out of here, man. I'm now we're like, going deep again now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hyperconscious, that's, that's what I like. I don't know if I would have understood it, but I, I just, I think I felt broken for most of my life. I felt, I felt stupid. I felt um, like I couldn't be successful. I felt embarrassed. I think I thought I was supposed to feel that way and that was the only way I could feel. So everything is changeable. Not everything. Most things are changeable. I'm not going to get any taller anytime soon, but that is what it is. Like this is what I was, this is what I was given. So yeah, the things that, the things that you put energy into can change. And that's, that's just a through line of my life that I just wish I realized earlier. I didn't realize how important books were until I was 27. 26. I didn't realize that. I hadn't read any personal development books, self-improvement books. The more capable you are, the more capable your life becomes. And I just didn't realize that. Okay. In order to change, and I, I'm, I'm really loving listening to your story, and what I'm hearing is a huge change in your personal confidence in mm. your journey. So, do you have any thoughts or advice on how other people, someone listening, can build their confidence? Yeah, I. we call it failing forward. Or I call it, it, we have a bunch of names for it. I consider it the confidence conundrum. And here's what happens. And this might be out there. I don't know if, I, if that's my framing. So I want to make sure I give credit if, if it's due. But most people do not have belief in the beginning. And if you don't have belief, you're not going to take a new action. If you don't take a new action, you get no results. And that proves to you that you couldn't have done it in the beginning. Boom, conundrum, you're stuck. If you can instill a little bit of belief in the beginning, you try something new, you get a result you never would have gotten. You Obviously, you have to detach from your self-worth and say, well, this result does not mean I'm bad. But with that result, you have proof that, oh, that's actually possible. That's actually within the realm of possibility for me. And that builds your belief little by little. I know it sounds oversimplified. Here's the, here's the best story. Uh, I was on Snapchat one day. I think I was, I don't know, probably 27 at the time. And some, one of our listeners reached out to me. She lived close to me. Her name's Amy. She said, hey, Kev, 
I'm terrified. I'm not confident. I'm terrified of going up to people and starting conversations. I said, me too. I don't know if anybody enjoys that. I don't enjoy that. She said, I, I want to figure out how to overcome that. Will you help? Like, what do you suggest? And I said, okay, you and I are going to go to the mall and we're going to fear chase. That's what we call it, fear chase. And we're going to go talk to people. And she's like, you're going to come with me? I said, absolutely. I'm like, let's do it. And I'm terrified. I don't want to do this either. I don't even know why I came up with this idea. It's terrible. <laughs> but it, I felt like, and here's the other thing, to, to speak to identity, I am the type of person who does things that scare me. That's one way right there to build confidence. I am the type of person who does this, even though I'm scared. That's what I had to tell myself. So we meet, we meet at the mall. First time I ever met, hug it out. Aim, so nice to meet you, Kev. Boom, awesome. Let's get coffee. So we get coffee. And I said, all right, you ready to do this? And she's like, yeah, I guess. What are we going to do? I said, we're going to go into that store over there and we're going to pretend we're buying a beanbag chair. Everything's going to be fine. It's their job to talk to you. That's what they get paid for. You're going to be fine. I said, just ask them some questions. So she asks questions. Awesome. We go into another store. We go into another store. We go into another store. We go down to the food court. We ask about the food. We ask all different questions. And she's feeling it. She's, she's just on a high. We're getting ready to leave that day. And there's these mechanical zoo animals that you can rent and you can like ride them around the mall. No idea, weird, but it looked cool. We're walking by him, Jeff. And she says, if we were confident, we would ride those things around. And under my breath, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. That's going to be terrible. But I am the type of person yeah, who does yeah. things that scare me. Don't dare me. It's got to be Especially for other people. Especially for other people. So we rent them. Cool. Let me, let me get the giraffe. Amy's got a lion. Cool. We're buzzing around, the, buzzing around the mall. We leave that day. Amy's confidence set point has changed forever. Now, it doesn't mean she's going to be a 10 out of 10 confident. No, but she just proved to herself that a bunch of things that I did not believe were possible are not only possible, but there are positive emotions attached to them. Thus, I am willing to do that again. Amy, from there, goes back to college, even though she didn't think she was smart enough. She got a 3.8 GPA, went on to get one of her dream jobs. She just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and now she's on our team. She works with us every single day. Somebody who was not confident enough to go to the mall and, and have conversations with strangers, she's been on our podcast. She's interviewed people in our Facebook group. Yeah, it's, it's small steps. What's one thing that is just outside of your, com your comfort zone currently? It doesn't have to be skydiving if you're afraid of heights. Maybe it's get on top of a ladder first. Whatever the next stretch for you is, that. And then you take a look and you can see different things. It's, I consider it kind of like a summit series. We look at the top of the mountain. We say, well, I can never speak on stage in front of 500,000 people. That's not where you start. Your first thing is you record a video of yourself and then you go on Facebook Live and you go on a podcast then you do 100 people, 500 people. When you get to the first peak, you can see the next available thing. Don't worry about the top of the mountain. Worry about the next peak. That's what I would say. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is people think you have to exude confidence and be invincible. Mm. Whereas vulnerability and that recognizing your vulnerability is also important, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. One of the most courageous things you can do is be vulnerable. That, that's like being vulnerable is a scary, scary, scary thing. But if you want to connect with people, a lot of people connect on that. Oh, I was afraid too. That's why I try to say during that story, I didn't want to do it either. I didn't want to go. I wasn't excited to go. I, I literally told Alan, I was like, can I just cancel this and like tell her I get a flat tire? Because I'm afraid too. <laughs> so yeah, I think vulnerability is the truth. And if you're not living in the truth, it's very hard to get good results. Because if you're not, if you're not ba um, living based on what's real, if you're not operating based on what's real, all of your results are skewed, especially in relationships, any kind of relationship. Okay. Talking about the truth then, there, there are people listening who perhaps uh, want to start up in business, not necessarily as a podcast host. I mean, that's madness. Why would you want to do that anyway? <laughs> but let's talk about being an entrepreneur because earlier you said to your, girl, your girlfriend said to you, Kev, please don't try and make me an entrepreneur. Yeah. So for the people who do want to be an entrepreneur, what advice would you give to them in the early stages? Yeah, I would have a real authentic conversation about your level of discipline. Because I think people think 
I mean, I'm sure you've heard this too, Jeff. Well, if I had as much time as you, or if I got to work from home like you, I get so much more done too. I'm not saying that's not true. I think it's a lot harder than you think though, because when there's nobody saying, Hey, get this done by this time, that, that Netflix series looks mighty good, especially in the beginning as an entrepreneur. So I would say number one, check in on your discipline and have that real conversation with yourself of if, if every day was up to me, how would I, how would I operate? How would I schedule it? How would I be consistent? How would I make sure I'm doing the most important things? That's, that's number one. And I think this is number two, make sure your P's are in the right order. Many people become entrepreneurs for profit and they try to convince themselves they're passionate about it. And that's exactly what I did in that job. And I, I made it. And then I burnt out and said, this isn't for me. That life cycle of a business is oftentimes that. Ask yourself, why are you starting this? Are you starting this for impact? Or are you starting this because you think it's the sexy thing to do? That's an important question. Being an entrepreneur looks awesome. It looks great. But you know, hiring people and bringing people on eventually and firing people, that's, that all is, is a struggle and it kind of stinks. So ask yourself, why are you doing it? Is it purely for money because you think you're going to hit it big? Or do you believe that you're going to do something special in the world and you're going to impact many people? I think those two things will really, they'll really help you stay on track. And the last thing I would say is you should really sit down and get crystal clear on your core values, your core values, your core beliefs, and your core aspirations, particularly core values. I had somebody one of our mentors messaged me today and said, hey, congrats on a thousand episodes and I'll, I'll keep everything in on. He, he's big, he's big in, this, in the space. And I messaged him back and I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you for all your support and your belief in us. And I said, I just want to let you know, we've been brought behind the scenes of many of the most successful people and we've often been disappointed. I want to thank you for being the, the person that you claim to be behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. Like your character is awesome and we very much look up to you. That's one of his core values is being, being a good man make sure you check in with your core values because there's a lot of opportunities to go off the beaten path. There's so many opportunities and you have to make sure that you have the alignment to put your head on your pillow at night and say, you know what? I could have gotten further with this, but I did the right thing today. There's so many opportunities for that. So I think that's an important one too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to come back to how you started that little story actually by Mm -hmm. asking how disciplined you are. So I've got a little story to share with you. So I used to be in a business. I was uh, managing this business and we had something like 4,000 people. Mm. I then did this massive career change and it was just me. And the administration I needed to do from home. And the company I was working for said, oh, well, most people, you know, convert the bedroom, use that as an office. And you'll be good. Get yourself a desk and a phone, a fax machine as it was then. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I did. You know what, Kev? I really, really struggled. Mm. And the reason I struggled, and this is the point of the story, it was still decorated like a bedroom. Mm. So it felt like I was in the bedroom. So... I got this hyper-consciousness. Yeah, I can use this word now. (laughs) I was observing myself and I thought, my environment is affecting how I feel, how I think, and therefore what I do. And manifested itself in my lack of discipline because of this, you know. So what I did, I stripped the wallpaper off. I decorated it like an office, recarpeted the whole place, It wasn't a bedroom anymore. It was an office. That's when things changed Mm -hmm. in a flash. So then I could be who I was and my discipline worked from then. So it's about not only how disciplined, but having the right environment for what it is that you want to achieve. Well said. That was my springboard then for going on to achieve the other stuff. So here's a deep one for you then. Kaz, what's your biggest fear? Failure. Bar none, not close. I am terrified of failing. Oh, why? Terrified. Why? Because it sucks. 
not necessarily on the micro. I'm okay with failing day to day now. And that's new to me too. I used to hate that. Now I, I welcome failure. I'm okay with it because it doesn't attach to my self-worth. But there's always a little piece of me that's like, ah, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what if this doesn't work out? And people laugh at you and people judge you and doubt you. That rejection's huge. I hate rejection. I hate it so much. It, it sucks. It feels bad. It makes me question myself. Rejection is different to failure though, right? I think for me, it's in the same bucket. I think for me, it's in the same bucket because it means I didn't, I didn't accomplish the goal, whatever the, whatever the goal is. But I also think that's helped me in especially sales. Like I don't, I'm not a salesman. I don't sell like some other people sell. I sell through adding value. And if you ask me, you know, it's like my sales approach is just different because I'm not just going to come out and say, here, it's blank. Do you want to do it? So I think it's helped me in some ways, but you know, Jeff, what it is for me is I think I was supposed to be the failure. I've like, I don't identify as that anymore, but I, I remember I had this conversation with my friends when we were in high school. It was literally a conversation of if anybody was going to end up in jail between the three of us, it would be Kev for sure. And my, <laughs> my, <laughs> that was the conversation and my friends were nice. It wasn't a bad conversation, but you got to think like all of my friends had legitimate families relatives, like they came from quote unquote normal homes, right? Like a lot of my family had been in jail, you know, like my dad had been in jail for sure. So I think a lot of people, for me, it was almost like, well, he's not a, if he's a productive member of society, everything will be good, all things considered. So I don't necessarily know that my, I don't think that the hopes for me were super high. So the fact that I'm already flying above where I should I think that scares me at times. It's like, how the hell did I get here? How did I get here? And there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah. You see, I don't think you are afraid of failure. I mm. think you will face your fears head on. And I think you'll deal with failure real well. I think there's a difference between what you're saying with rejection mm. and failure. I think they're different things. Here's a story I want to share with you. Please. I'm just like you. I have no education. I left school. I became an engineer. Then I had a, a change of direction. I became a uh, professional musician. Mm. I then had another change of direction. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went into the world of selling. Did real well. And after a number of years, I went to work for this consultancy company. This is the one where I had to convert my bedroom to an office. So I did this for a number of years and I had an idea for a book. Now, bear in mind, I have no education. Do you need an education to write a book? Don't know. Anyway, here's the story. So I came up with this niche and I went to the boss of this company and I said, hey, I've got this idea for a book. And he went, no, nobody will want to buy that. Nobody would pay money for that. Nobody would be interested. And furthermore, Jeff, you're not the person to write such a book. Mm. Here's what I did. I reframed what they said because the, the, the idea of this book was a new concept and he didn't know what I knew. He didn't believe what I believed because we've spoken about belief already, right? So therefore, <clears throat> his answer wasn't valid to me. I couldn't validate it. So I said, in my head, right, not to him. <laughs> I said, you're speaking about your limitations, not mine. So I then went and asked someone else. And people were saying the same thing. But I believed. And then I wrote this book, and this book is now the most successful book in history on its subject matter. Mm. So I think there's a difference between failure and rejection. And it's how we think and term those things. I think failure is a part of success. And you failed a few times and dealt with it. Mm. You've dealt with it really, really well. And I, I I'm just, that. I'm going to, I'm going to park that one there and let you think about that after the show I and hopefully it. you can separate it.
I appreciate the perspective, Jeff. Yeah. So what's been one of the toughest challenges you've faced? The toughest challenges. How, how did you overcome it, Kev? Oh, man. I was having this conversation with Alan yesterday. For a long time, so Alan and I partnered up in 2017. For a long time, I wanted to believe that I was doing all this. And I think everybody does to a degree. I mean, yeah. you know, your ego wants to be happy. And one of the things I had to do was understand, and this was such a challenge for me, understand that I'm not going to be number one here. I'm not, I'm not the head of this company. I st- might've started it, might have my name on it and all that. It's, it's not in the best interest of the company. It's not in the best interest of the world to have me running it because some people are just better than I am at that. So one of the hardest things for me was really controlling and tempering my ego around not feeling good enough. And when I don't feel good enough, not trying to pull somebody else down. That, that's been one of the hardest things ever because I'm, I'm afraid. I get afraid. I get nervous. I don't want to be left behind, right? That was a huge fear for a long time. That might be one of my other biggest ones too, being left behind because I don't, yeah, that's a fear. I've been abandoned. I don't want to be abandoned again. That's a big one. So yeah, it, it was that. It's like, I've had some real difficult conversations with Alan. But now we're at the point where I can just say, look, man, you don't have to sugar. You are smarter than I am. Intellectually, you are. You have an unreasonably high IQ. You're hurting yourself if we don't admit that. I can handle it. I can handle that. It's not going to hurt me. I, I need to take ownership of that. And I think that's helped Alan lean into his genius. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. But for a long time, I wanted to believe that I was doing this. I knew more about all this stuff. I, I was the, the secret sauce. And I think the secret sauce is a mix of, of many different things. But yeah, for the ego, controlling the ego and remaining humble, especially when I should. Okay. You know what I've loved about this conversation, Kev? Mm. I've taken it to the depths of where you are. I've taken it to your challenges. And the reason I did that, I wanted to find out how you would behave in it. And I hope you've been the observer here too, because you keep floating to the top. So you're, you're awesome with failure and, and everything surrounding it. That's new for me. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a newer muscle that I have. It's not quite as toned as the, the other muscles yet, but I feel it. I do feel, I feel the best I ever have around it. So I appreciate that. Good, good man. Now I want to go the other side then. What do you do, my friend, to get inspired? Oh man, I, I, number one, I watch our old content. I know that might sound weird. No, I get that completely. Right? Yeah. We started out in Alan's mom's, uh, our second studio was in Alan's mom's basement. And when the, when the winter came, there was no heat down there. So we had a little space heater that sometimes would throw off all the other outlets and it would blow the breaker and we'd have to like restart it all. And that was a whole thing. I look back to that and I remember we were just two kids dreaming and now we have a, a successful business, a 17 person team that, that for me is like, okay, you guys have really built something. And then the other thing I do, and I do this every day. And again, this is the money part of me. I either watch some sort of uh, mansion tour. I watch a car review for a car that I want in the future that for me. And then I emotionalize it. I know what it's going to feel like to walk in that home. I don't have it yet. And it's not about just about the home. How much value do I have to add to the world to get that? But I'm there. I've, I've experienced it. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know what it smells like. That helps me make sure that I'm not only dreaming big, but I'm acting big. I don't want to dream something up that I can't, I can't action towards. So those are, I reflect and I look in the future. Those are really the two things I do. Yeah. What I love about that is this, it's called synesthesia. It's when you use all of your senses on something so mm. some people say oh you've got to have vision but to really accelerate it as you just said yeah i can see it i can taste it i touch it i smell it mm. it's so important for um actualizing goals and stuff like that so i'm really glad you brought that one up so here's the, here's a question that i ask every guest what's the most important thing you have ever learned I would say nothing matters if you can't be proud about uh, proud of what you're doing. Mm. 
I think that's probably the most important thing I've ever learned. I, I just want to be a good man. And I can't, I don't want to, I can't go to bed if I'm not that, that for me, it's like the, the most important thing I've ever learned is your character matters far more than anything else. Because that's the one thing you go to bed with. That's the one thing you wake up with. It's the one thing you drive to work. It's, it's everything. It's who you are. Your character matters way more than the car you drive. It matters way more than how much money you have in the bank. Jeff, when we were the first couple of years, we didn't make any money. We were focused heavily on our character. And we, I had conversations with Alan of, we do not say things like that. That's not who we are. We're better than that. And we used to have conversations. We had a competition going. It was not about who would have more money. It was not about who would be in better shape. I said to Alan, I know I can be a better man than you. I have a bigger heart. I know I can be a better man than you. And that was our competition. And it still is. It's a friendly competition. But we say character of everything. Character of everything. I will not sell out. I can't sell out. I have to be in integrity with me more than anything. So yeah, character of everything. That's so important. I love that. Okay. If someone wants to listen to your podcast or reach out to you, how do we contact you? You just search Next Level University. We'll come up. We're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube and all that happy jazz. And then my email is Kevin at Next Level Universe or on Instagram at Never Quit Kid. I do all my social media. So I will be happy to respond and get a conversation going with you. That's awesome. I'm afraid. I'm very sad to say we've come <laughs> to the end of the show for now. I have a feeling inside that you're going to be back. But thank you for today, Kevin Palmari. You have been truly amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, buddy. And for you, the listener, thank you very much for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope the show has helped to ignite your passion, to find your purpose, to be a catalyst for action, and given you the fuel you need to realize your dreams. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the like button, leave a review and share it. Share it with one friend. You know, it makes a really huge difference to us because without your help, we can't succeed. So please go ahead and share this episode with just one of your friends. On another note, I'm searching for great success stories all the time. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me on our website at jeff-smith.com. You know, I really, really would love to hear from you. That's it from me. Thank you again for listening and have a great day. Bye.